Father, we thank you, Father God, that our hearts are ready to receive your words of instructions. Father, we come expecting. Father God, we know that you'll not disappoint us. We thank you for the move of the Holy Spirit that is within us here, Lord God, and that is in this place. We thank you for filling this place with your power and your presence. We thank you, Father God, that your power and presence will reach those, Lord God, are watching by live stream, Father God. And we thank you for touching every lives. And so, Father, we give you all the praise and the glory for who you are and what you're going to do. And we just thank you for that in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And everyone say amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. Good evening, everybody. I was about to say good morning. That kind of a day. But I thank you all for being out here today. Uh, those of you that are watching, thank you for tuning in. Um, tonight, we're going to continue along the lines on the subject of worry. And, um, and of course, the title of it is Stop Worrying. And so uh, I think it's a very important message because, let's face it, worry is something that we all do. Something that comes natural to us. Something that is, you know, human nature, and, um, but, you know, that's what it is. But we've learned from the scriptures that God does not want us to live a life filled with anxiety and worries. He wants us to, to live a worry-free, uh, a carefree, and a peaceful life. And because we're not used to that, it's hard to imagine what kind of life that would be for us. But the Bible says that it is possible because... The scripture tells us that God wants us to do that. And so if he desires for us to do that and commands us to do that, then it is possible for us to live that kind of life. And so um, just to give you a, a, a short, um, a, a little highlight of what we talked about last week. Uh, you know, if those of you who have not listened to this message, heard this message, I encourage you to listen to about, uh, through podcast. Uh, because, again, it's a very important message to listen to. But last week, last Wednesday, we talked about the, uh, the definition of worry, a biblical definition. We talked about Webster's definition. But then we also went out and began to talk about the biblical definition of worry. And that definition is simply assuming the responsibility that does not belong to us is assuming a, a responsibility that we need not assume. You know, the scriptures tells us in Psalm 55 and verse 22 that we are to cast our burdens on the Lord and he will sustain us. There's another verse that is similar to that in 1 Peter 5, 7, where it says, casting all of your cares for he cares for you. Now, that, those two verses indicate to me that God wants to take responsibility for all the things that worry us and, and, and that makes us feel anxiety, you know, anxious. And so, if God desires to take on that responsibility, when we worry, we are assuming that responsibility. We are taking away that responsibility from God and placing it on ourselves. And this is not what God desires. So, to worry is to assume the, a responsibility that doesn't necessarily belong to us, but rather it belongs to God. We also talked about how worry is one of Satan's most destructive weapons. I like to say that worry is Satan's weapon of mass destruction. Because worry is not a, a, a local problem. It is not a Seekonk problem. It is not an FCC problem. It's not even a United States problem. Worry is a universal problem. It affects everybody on this earth. 
And everyone on this earth is worrying about something. And so we talked about that. We talked about how it's Satan's ambition to rob, to steal, to kill, and to destroy our faith and our focus and our attention away from God. He wants us to be distracted of the things that takes us away from God. That's his whole desire. That's his whole ambition. We went and talked about what Jesus said about worry. He simply says, don't worry about your life. Is that plain and that simple? Don't worry about your life. And if he says not to do that, it's because we know we can do it. He knows that we can do it. We talked about the nature of worry. We talked about how Martha was so distracted and encumbered about and was troubled about many things because she was taking care of her, her, her duty in, of hospitality, trying to take care of her guests and being distracted of what was really important. And Jesus had to point that out to her by simply saying, there was only one thing that is needed. And that is what Mary, her sister, chose. And that was to sit in the presence of the Lord Jesus and listening to his words. And so Martha robbed herself or allowed herself to be robbed of the peace and the joy and the, and the opportunity to stand in the presence of the Lord Jesus himself to listen to his words of wisdom. And so we talked about that. We talked about Peter, how he also was distracted by taking his eyes off the Lord because when Jesus said, come, based on that word, Peter jumped out of the boat and began actually walking, doing what no man has ever done. But the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus and began to look around his surroundings, the wind and the waves, he became distracted and forgot about the word come. And he began to panic and worry and he began to sink and nearly drown until Jesus snatched him out of the water. And the first words Jesus told him was, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? We talked about how worry is sin. And even though it doesn't ex explicitly say in the Bible that it is sin, but the scriptures tell us or indicate to us that it is sin because when the Bible tells us to uh, to cast your burden upon the Lord, for he will sustain you. That's a command. When Jesus says, don't worry about anything or about your life, that's a command. When the Bible says, cast all of your cares to him because he cares for you, and you're still worried, that's a violation of his word. And so therefore, it's, it's being disobedient. To worry is to distrust Christ. And so we talked about that. And... Um, We talked about how worry is living below God's standard. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. That's God's standard. When we worry, we're not walking by faith. We're walking by sight. We're walking by what we see. We're walking by, by what we hear. We walk by what we feel, but we're not walking by faith. So that's living below, below God's standard. And so this is just a highlight of some of the things that we talked about. We talked about also where a panel of psychologists got together and did this study where 40% of the things that we worry about will never come to pass. So 30% of the things that we worry about are things in our past. And he says 22% of the things that we worry about are petty things. And only 8% of the things that we do worry about actually have any significance at all. So it's, it's, it's interesting 
how much time we spend worrying over nothing, over the what ifs. What if I have cancer? What if uh, that person don't like me? What if I fail? What if I don't get the job? What if I get thrown out of my own home? What if I can't? All these what ifs. And most of the time, those things don't even come to pass. But yet we spend so much time worrying about it. We spend so much energy worrying about those things. Well, tonight I want to continue on this line on worry, but I want to focus on overcoming worry. How do we overcome worry? How do we respond to the things that we worry about? The Reverend R.C. Trench, who was a one time the Protestant Archbishop for Dublin, Ireland, had this very troubling and unhealthy habit, or not habit, but fear. And that fear was becoming physically paralyzed. Now, that's kind of weird, but that was something he worried about. And one, that, one evening at a party, at a dinner party, he, this lady sat down next to him at the table. There was a lot of the guests as well. And as she sat next to him, she heard him muttering to himself mournfully. And what she heard him say was this. He says, it's happened at last. It's come upon me finally. I am paralyzed and I can't feel my right leg. So the woman that was sitting next to him leaned over and says, excuse me, reverend. It may comfort you to learn that it is my leg that you're pinching. (laughs) Worry is devastating. Because worry will seize your heart and your mind. And hold you hostage. Worry, when we allow worry to get a hold of us, it it allows the acts of fear to come upon us and affect our minds and our hearts. And it also affects our lives and our decisions and not place our trust in Christ. When we worry, we get so lost with what might happen or be consumed with the what ifs. That we tend to forget, or I should say that we, we lose sight of our, of our joy and our peace and our happiness. Someone said that worry is like a rocking chair. It keeps you busy, but it doesn't get you anywhere. But because of worry, people tend to make foolish and irrational decisions in their lives. Or they become so paralyzed with fear that they don't do anything at all. But what that does is simply opens up the door to fall for serious consequences when, when you give in to worry and allow worry to cause you to make these life decisions. I know one thing, that over the span of a lifetime, to worry upon hours, upon hours, upon hours of valuable time And these are times that you'll never get back. How many of you have ever spent hours worrying about something or days and realized the the time that you spent and the time that you wasted? Those those are times you'll never get back. Worrying simply means that you have very little faith or no faith at all. Because to the Christian, worry is contrary to to faith in Christ. It is distrust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you worry, what we're saying in effect is, Lord, I just don't trust you in this thing. See, worry sends a message to God. 
It's saying that we don't trust him. So therefore, worry is an insult to the person and character of the Lord Jesus Christ because it fails to take God into account of your situation. We fail to recognize that God is much greater and much more powerful than any worry or any concerns or any fears that we may have. We fail to recognize that, and that's what worry does. Now, there's a difference between being concerned and being worried. To be concerned means that when someone or something that is negative in nature and that needs to be addressed in some way, and you're finding a way to try to figure it out. Worry, however, is when someone or something that you no longer are dictating to is dictating you now. Let me give you another example. A parent can be so worried that their child will drown that they will not allow that child anywhere near the water. A person who is concerned about their child not learning how to swim will make arrangements to make sure that their daughter or their child learns to swim so that parent will never have to worry about their child whenever they get near the water. Are, are you understanding that? So to worry, I mean to be concerned, means to, 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 to do all that we can do to address the situation. Worry, however, paralyzes you and it prevents you from doing anything. To worry or to be concerned is to be in control. To worry is to be controlled by the things that you're worried about. Real concern trusts God, while worry drives us toward panic, toward fear, and far from God. Worry is assuming responsibility that are not yours to assume. But God is inviting us to bring our cares, to bring our worries over to him because he wants to take responsibility for it. So we are not to worry about our problems. Go to Psalm 143. The reason why we are not to worry about our problems is because worry is devastating. It can be devastating to our physical, our, our spiritual, our emotional, and even our mental well-being. In Psalm 143, let me read Psalm, uh, Proverbs 12, verse 25 first. It says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But in Psalm 143, in verse 4, it says this, Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, and my heart within me is distressed. So you can see how devastating worry can be to our mental and our emotional well-being. But nowhere does the Bible ever attempt to downplay the existence of problems. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Because in fact, the Bible quite plainly uh, lets us know that there will be problems at some point in our lives. Go to Job chapter 5, beginning in verse 7. And you know the story, Job suffered a very tragic uh, experience in his life, losing all of his children, his servants, his cattle, everything. And on top of that, he now has the suffering from this physical uh, affliction that is painful and awful. And so here he is suffering and in pain and all of his friends gather together to encourage him. And this is what one of his friends tells him. But man is born to trouble as the sparks and the flames fly upward. Now, with friends like that, who needs enemies, right? Basically, what he's saying is this. Every person alive will have trouble. Now, 
It's easy to agree with that statement, even though it's a hard fact. But in reality, there is trouble. Trouble will constantly stalk you as long as you're living on this earth. Even Jesus can agree with that statement when he says in uh, John 16 and verse 33, that in this life or in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. You will have frustrations. You will have times of distress. But of course, you don't need me to tell you that because many of you are probably fighting and dealing with your own stress and with your own trials. But nonetheless, when it comes to worrying over the problems that we face in this life, God has only one response. And that response is, don't. Go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now here Paul was pleading with us not to worry and not to let the events of our lives lead us to a state of panic or fear. Now the, the phrase, be anxious for nothing, literally means do not worry about not anything or don't worry about anything. In Matthew 6 and verse 25 Jesus tells us, take no thought for your life, which literally means don't worry about your life. So God's response to worry is the word don't. Don't worry. Don't worry about a thing. How many have ever heard somebody tell you, or how many have, or maybe you've said it to others, don't worry about it. How many have ever said that before? How many have ever said that somebody had said that to you? Don't worry about it. Easier said than done, right? But when God says it, it is possible for us not to worry. Understand that Jesus wants us to realize that it doesn't make any sense for a God who, who, is, who is able to deliver us from, from eternal hell and not help us with the basic practical affairs, the very practical things of our lives. It doesn't make any sense. But God wants to help us in every area of our lives. God wants to help. Look at Psalm 121 in verse 1. Verse 1, it says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? The question is, where is my help coming from? Who do I go to for help? Where can I go for help? Then in the second verse, it answers that question. It says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now think about this. The God who made heaven and earth is the same God that wants to use his creative power to help you in your time of need. Imagine that. That power is so available to us. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 4. In verse 16, God wants to help you. Beginning verse 16, it says this, let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to what? To help in good times for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. God is and wants to be our helper. Even in the practical matters of life. So the question is, so why worry? 
That is a question that Jesus asked in Matthew 6 and verse 28. After he says, don't worry about your life, what you should eat, what you should drink, or what you should wear. Then he goes on to say that he takes care of the birds of the air and he takes care of all the lilies of the field. And he goes on to say, aren't you of greater value than the birds and the flowers? Then he asked the question, so why do you worry? Have you ever asked that question yourself? Why do I worry? Why am I worried? Have you ever come up with an answer? Probably not. So the question, so, so why should Christians worry? Well, I should say, why should they not worry? Well, here's a couple of reasons. First of all, it is comforting to know that God knows what we faced, what we're facing, and what we're going to face down the road. Listen to what Psalm 33 and verse 13 says. Psalm 33 and verse 13 says this. The Lord looks from heaven and he sees all the sons of men. Verse 14 says, from the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. In other words, God sees all and he knows all. But he just doesn't see us and knows us. He doesn't see all that we do and he doesn't know all that we do. But he does, but not just that. In other words, God is not just an observer. He wants to be a helper. God is very attentive to the things that we do in life. He is attentive to all the affairs of our lives, even the practical things of our lives. Every area of our lives, God sees and knows everything about us and everything that goes on in our lives. He is very attentive. And it's good to have a God that knows the things that are going on. Sometimes we're going through stuff and we feel like no one knows what we're going through. Seems like we're the only ones alone and no one knows what we're going through, how we're going through it, and what we're dealing with. But God knows because he sees all and he knows all. So why worry? In Job chapter 23 and verse 10, Job says this. He makes this statement. He says, but he, meaning God, knows the way I take. He says, he has concern for it. He appreciates it and he pays attention to it. We're talking about a God that pays attention to every area of your life. God not only knows all the things that goes on in our lives, he not only knows what we've been through, what we're going through, what we're going to go through, but he also cares about what you face in life. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. A very familiar passage of scripture. Verse 7 says, casting the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately, and he cares about you watchfully. In Psalm 55, verse 22, the Amplified Version says, Cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the consistently righteous to be moved or to be made to slip or fall or to fail. God cares about what you face in life. And whatever it is that you're going through right now, God is concerned, God is interested, and God is attentive to what you're going through. And he cares. He cares about what we, what we go through. And here's another thing, why we shouldn't worry. And that is that God has promised to take care of us. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to be reading from verse 5 in the Amplified Version. This is what it says. 
Let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, meaning God, himself has said, I will not in any way fail you or give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not. And he says this three times. I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So I worry. He cares about what we go through. And he promises to take care of us. And verse 6 says, so we take comfort and are encouraged and are confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or worry or be full of anxiety or be terrified. What can man do to me? Why would God go through all the trouble for us? Well, the scripture tells us because he cares for us affectionately and watchfully. God is concerned about the things that concern us. There is no worry that is too big or too small for his for his attention. There was this young pilot who just got his license to fly. And one day he was flying his private plane in in a cloudy day. Now, he wasn't very experienced when it comes to landing and using the instruments. So when the control tower, the people in the control tower was trying to call him in and bring him in, he, he started worrying and, and began to panic because he, didn't, he wasn't that confident in landing and learning the instruments. He's still, he's still learning. He's still young. But all of a sudden, there's a stern face, a voice that came right through the radio. And that voice says this, you just obey instructions and we'll take care of the obstructions. That's what God is saying to us tonight. He said, you just obey my instructions and I'll take care of the obstructions. I'll take care of your stumbling blocks. I will take care of your fears. I will take care of your obstacles. I will take care of whatever it is that's causing you problems, that's causing you worry, that's causing you to be anxiety. I'm going to take care of it. Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christ sustains us because he cares about us. And as Christians, our confidence rests in the fact that Jesus Christ genuinely is concerned for our welfare. Isn't that a wonderful thing? So why worry? Now, how do we overcome the worry? How do we respond to worry? Well, one of the ways that we can overcome worry is to resist the temptation to worry. Every day we're tempted to worry about something. Temptation will always be there to worry. Now, one should not feel guilty because you're being tempted to worry. It's just that when we give in to worry and we become consumed with anxiety and fear, that's when guilt comes. But we should never feel guilty because we're being tempted, because that's what the devil does. Someone once said, and I think it was um, Pastor Hagen, where he says, you can, you can, you don't, you can't stop or I should, how, how does it go? Let me say it, I'm going to say it right. 
He said, okay, you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from nesting on your head. It's the same thing with temptation. You can't stop temptation from coming, but you can prevent it from giving in to temptation. And so one of the ways to overcome it is by resisting temptation. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 13. The Bible tells us how common temptation is. Every day we're tempted to worry about something. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. One of the wonderful things about when we get tempted is that God will always provide a way out. There is a way out and there is a way to overcome the temptations. And we know that worry comes from Satan because that's one of his weapons. That's one of his most destructive and effective tools in order to distract us and get us to be caught up in ourselves rather than focusing on God. It's his ambition to kill, to steal, and to destroy your faith. Go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Satan is no respecter of persons. He even tempted Jesus. In Matthew 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. And so, and three times, the devil tempted Jesus the devil came in three different ways, using three different methods and three different forms of temptation to try to get Jesus off his game, try to get Jesus off of his focus. And each time Jesus opposed him, each time Jesus resisted him. But the temptation will continue. You know, you may resist temptation today and the devil will flee from you, but that doesn't mean he's not going to come back tomorrow. And tempt you again. Look at Luke chapter 4 and verse 13. After Jesus, I mean, after the devil failed to tempt Jesus, or to get him to go, give into temptation, it says, And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Or in other words, until the next opportunity came. So you can resist temptation today and feel good about yourself and feel victorious, but He'll come back again. Because the devil is relentless. He is the tempter. And he has no respect to person because his, his mission, his ambition is to get us off our game and get our focus off of God. Another way that we can overcome worry. As a matter of fact, James uh, 5.7 says, resist the devil and he will flee. So, Every time we resist the devil, he's going to run. If he knows he can't get you today, he's going to try to get you tomorrow. And if he can't get you tomorrow, he's going to try to get you the next day. But he's not going to stop trying. He will continue to tempt you. Temptation will come, but you don't have to give in to them. Resist, the Bible says. Oppose it. Another way to overcome worry is to believe that God is in control. If you can imagine a Christian as a farmer... Right. And as the farmer, their responsibility is to till the land and plant the seed. However, the farmer does not worry about the weather or the crop. It is the tilling or the working of the soil and the planting of the seed that is the farmer's responsibility. 
with the weather and the crop, however, is in God's hands. That is, in, that is God's responsibility. So the Christian farmer knows that he doesn't have any control over the weather nor the, the size of the crop. Are you hearing me? As Christians, we are called to obey and follow the commands of Christ, but we are not called to worry and to be anxious about the results. We're simply responsible for following the instructions of Jesus. He says, just obey my instructions and I'll take care of the obstructions. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 19. Paul says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, Paul here mentions about the greatness of God's power that is made available for us. His prayer was that, that we may come to have a greater knowledge and an understanding and an awareness. But understand that Paul knew and understood what this greatness of power was because he experienced it in his life and in his ministry. And it was Paul's prayer for us to also experience this, this power, to understand the knowledge and awareness through experience of his great power. Now, Bible says in verse 21, he is far above any ruler, any authority, all power, all the leaders, and anything else. And you can list so many things under that category of anything else. He says, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Verse 22, God has put all things, including anything else, under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. So because this power, we must all come to understand that, listen, God is on our side and ready to help us in our time of need. We must also understand that God's power is never slack and it's never out of commission, but it's always actively working and always fighting the forces of darkness on our behalf. We must also understand that there's no human strength, no spiritual power from this evil world or even from Satan himself that will alter, hinder, or change God's power when it comes to his people. Only his power can change weak, worried Christians into strong, faithful Christians. And that power is for us. It's been made available to us. God has placed Christ far above and in control of everything that is on this earth. That includes everything that you're worrying about. Everything that you feel anxious about. Everything that keeps you up at night. Everything that's causing you to lose sleep or lose your appetite. God is in control. I, like, I want to read Ephesians 1, verses 21 and 22 in the message translation. Listen to this. It says that Jesus is in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to government. No name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. Then in verse 22, it says he is in charge of it all. 
and has the final word on everything. And at the center of all, of all this, Christ rules the church. One of the ways that we can overcome worry is by remembering and knowing that God is in control of the situation. Another way that we can overcome worry is to limit the intake of negative news. The year 2020 was probably the worst year that we've ever experienced because of COVID. And all of the social media outlets was constantly bombarding us with negative news about COVID. How many people have, have gotten COVID? How many people have gone to the hospital? How many people have died? The threat and the danger of COVID. That's all that we've heard. And what it's done is caused so much worry, so much fear, and so much anxiety. Even today, with this new variant out there, it's causing a lot of fear. There's only so much that we can handle. There's only so much crisis that we can listen to that will not, allow, uh, uh, that will not cause fear or worry. Overexposure to negative reports will only increase worry and anxiety in our lives and lead to feelings of fear and hopelessness and despair. How many of you have ever watched the news and you find yourself feeling hopeless or, or feeling despair or even worried or fearful? I have. And that's when I realized, oh, I, can't, I can't watch this anymore. Because I don't like what it's doing to me. I don't like what it's making, how it's making me feel. So it's better to not listen to bad news or any negative news. Too much negative intake will only cause you to become worried and anxious. Look at Proverbs chapter 17 and look at verse 22. Our cheerful heart is a good medicine, but a broken spirit saps of person's strength. That's what worry can do to a person. It drains our strength, it drains our focus, it drains our faith, our joy, even our energy. Go to Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25. It says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you reading? Is it bringing fear, worry, and doubt? Or is it bringing joy, strength, and edification? Only good news will strengthen your spirit and your heart. And only good news will provide us with hope. Look at Psalm chapter 119. Look at verse 49. It says this, Remember the word to your servant, upon which you have caused me to hope. Verse 50, this word is my comfort and in my, in, in my affliction. For your word has given me life. Even in times of affliction, when we take the time to listen to his word, it brings us hope and it gives us life. In Proverbs 4, verse 20, why don't you go there? It's a very well-known verse of scripture. It says, my son, give attention to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Verse 21 says, do not let them depart from your eyes, nor keep them in the midst of your heart. Verse 22 says, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Hallelujah. We are to put our focus and our attention on things that give life 
that give strength, that give hope, and to produce faith in us. Things that will edify and not tear us down. I like what Philippians uh, 4 and verse 8 says. It said, Paul says that whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, just, pure, lovely, and whatever things are a good report, think or meditate on these things. If, you want, if you've been watching too, many, too much news and it's, it's all negative stuff, violence and all these things, and sometimes it's time just to take a break and watch something that's a little more edifying. Amen? I, I encourage you not to watch the Red Sox game because they've been losing five in a row. That is, that'll cause anybody some despair. Now go to Philippians chapter 4. Once again, we go to this verse. Another way to overcome worry is found here in this particular verse of scripture. This is one of the most helpful and most powerful version, uh, uh, verses on the subject of worry. It says this, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. But I want to focus on this one, uh, the sixth verse, because in that verse alone, God speaks to us in, in, with a comforting command not to worry. But he also provides us with a solution on how to overcome worry. And there are three things that we look at here. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. And we, it's interesting, too, because if you go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, why don't you go there? We can see an example of prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving taking place in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. <clears throat> and the story here goes as uh, King Jehoshaphat was minding his own business, tending his, to, his, to his kingly duties, and all of a sudden he receives this terrible news. He finds out there are three powerful nations that are on their way to Judah to attack it and to conquer it. And so the scripture says in verse 3, if you go there to verse 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and he begged the Lord for guidance and he had ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Prayer brings, you, brings your worries to God. Instead of letting the worries rattle around in your brain and trying to handle it yourself, it's easier to formulate your, 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 your worries into prayers. The Bible says that King Jehoshaphat, upon hearing this news, he was terrified. He became worried and became afraid. But here's what I want you to see. King Jehoshaphat didn't stay there. It, uh, he didn't come to a place where he became so paralyzed with fear that he did nothing. No, the first thing that he did was to pray. The Bible says that he begged the Lord for guidance. He not only did that, but he ordered all of God, all of the nation into a fast. Now the Bible tells us that he was, he was terrified and he sought the Lord, but he sought the Lord through prayer. Looking to God in prayer should be our first response whenever we, uh, whenever we hear uh, terrible news or whenever we find ourselves going into some situation that are difficult. Prayer is the first thing we do. Prayer is the first response. Now look down in verse 6. 
Because instead of allowing his worries and fears to overwhelm him, he quickly led the nation to a fast and prayer. And he says in verse 6, he prayed, O Lord God of, ans- of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth, and you are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. So when we find ourselves receiving terrible news, or find ourselves in a very difficult situation, rather than giving in and buckling down to worry and anxiety, we are to pray. Then comes the supplications. Go to verse, uh, well, in Philippians 4, 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Look down in verse 12. Because King Jehoshaphat went before the Lord to pray, and he brought his supplication before the Lord. Now, supplication is a specific need or want. When you, go to, when you go to God and pray. And this is what he said in verse 12. Our God, oh our God, won't you stop them? In other words, stop the attack. Stop them from coming. Stop them from coming and doing harm to us. And he said, we are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to help, uh, looking to you for help. So he, he was in a very difficult position. Here is a king, he had his own army, but it was not enough to come against three very powerful armies that were coming against him. So he was in a situation that that he had no control over. He said, we are powerless against this army. And he says, and I don't know what to do. How many of you have ever been there? We've been in a situation and we don't know what to do. And that's the most helpless position to be. In the most helpless place to be is when you don't know what to do. Especially if you exhausted all your resources and did everything you possibly can and you still can't do anything. This is when things are not under your control. This is why we pray and bring our supplications or petitions before the Lord because he cares about what you go through. And he wants to help you in your time of need. And as a result of uniting together in fasting and prayer and bringing their supplications before the Lord, the king, uh, the, the peop- uh, uh, to the king and the people, but God had answered them. God responded to their, their prayers. God responded to their fasting. Look at what he says in verse 15. The Spirit of the Lord had come upon one of the guys that were there, and this is the message that God had for the people. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Basically, God was simply saying, don't worry about anything. Just follow my instructions and I'll take care of the obstructions. Understand why God said this to his people, not to worry, not, not, not to worry about anything. He says, because it's my battle. I'll take care of this. I think that's what encourages me more, is when you're crying out to God and says, I got you. I'll take care of this. Just don't worry. Just trust me. God was taking responsibility by taking care of all of the, the, all the things that made them worry, all the things that made them anxious, everything that caused them to be fearful, God says, I'm going to take care of it. I've heard your prayers. I receive your supplications. I'm going to take care of it.
One of the ways to overcome worry is to remind ourselves that sometimes we're in a battle that doesn't belong to us but God. Sometimes he, he's the one that has to fight the battles, especially if it's something that we have no control over. There are certain responsibilities that we have that we should be taking, uh, taking on, but the moment we reach the, a, a, a wall and, and realize that there's nothing more that we can do, that's when God will step in and take care of that situation. The third thing, there was prayer, supplication, and then there's thanksgiving. One of the ways to overcome worry is to praise and thanksgiving. When, when things are at its worst, remember this thought. There is always something to thank God about. No matter what you go through, no matter how bad things are, there will always be something that we can thank God about. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. <clears throat> thanksgiving for what? What are we thanking God for? Well, we thank God for who he is. We thank God for what he's done. We thank God for what he's doing. And we thank God for what he's about to do. We thank God because he's God. There's, there's, there's a number of reasons why you can thank him. Praise and thanksgiving is the language of faith. Now, again, this is, this is not always easy to do. Because when you're in the midst of, of, of chaos, it's very hard to focus on God. And it's very hard not to worry. It's very hard to even praise and thank God. But nonetheless, the Bible says, with all prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, making all of your requests made known to God. After hearing the instructions of the Lord, King Jehoshaphat got his army together, positioned them to face the enemy, just like God had instructed him. And then, but what he did was this. Rather than putting his best soldiers up front, he placed a group of special singers up front. And he even had select songs to sing. So instead of appointing a group of special, uh, 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 a, a well-trained army, he placed singers in front of the line. And that's how he positioned and formed his army. And that's the army that he marched down to where the enemy was. And as they marched down to the battlefield, they were singing. Now go to verse 21 of Second Chronicles 20. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. So this was a song of thanksgiving. And keep in mind, we're talking about a people that had received terrible news and was terrified. But their fear and their worry turned to praise and thanksgiving. And as the singers began to sing praises and, and thanksgiving to the Lord, the Lord responded. The Lord acted. Look at verse 22. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the army of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. Now, by the time the army got to where the battlefield was and where the enemy was, all the enemy, every last one of them were dead. The field was littered with bodies, and not one of the enemies escaped. 
And all this took place while they were singing and praising God. God had eliminated all of their worries as they were singing and praising him. You see, when you're praising him, your focus is on him. Your trust is on him. And as you're basking in glory and basking in his presence and and offering up praise and worship and singing and thanking the Lord, God is already ahead of you taking care of all the situation that's down the road. He's already setting the path for your victory. He's already preparing the way for success. (laughs) Glory to God. Look at verse 26. He says, on the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. And it is still called the Valley of Blessings. Blessings mean uh, uh, benefits or good things. I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know what valley you are in. Maybe a valley of darkness, a, a, a valley of, of struggles, a valley of pain, a valley of frustration or disappointment, a valley of fear. But your valley can be a valley of blessings. When you pray and offer supplication to the Lord and offer praise and thanksgiving, your valley doesn't have to stay a valley of darkness. Your valley doesn't have to stay a a valley of frustration and fear. It can be a valley of blessing. When you take the time to worship the Lord, offering praise after you presented him with your supplications and all of your needs. Because God wants to help you. God wants to be involved in your life. Something good will always come out when we, when we take the time to praise him and thank him for all that he's done. All that he is and all that he will do in your life. God honors praise. God honors thanksgiving. That makes God happy. That makes God full of, full, full of joy. But I like it that when we're doing that, God is taking care of our problems. When you're worshiping God and thanking him, you're not thinking about the problems. You're not thinking about your worries. You're not thinking about your cares. All you're thinking about is just taking the time to give him worship and praise. Look at verse 27. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. So as they were praising and thanking God during in the midst of the problem, God was taking care of the problem, eliminating the, 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 the issues that they were facing. And then they went home continuing to praise because of the victory that God had given him. Um, boy, I don't know about you, but this excites me. Now, go to Philippians chapter 4 once again. And let's look at verse 7 as I get ready to close. Philippians 4, uh, 4 7. For, uh, verse 6 says, be anxious for nothing or don't worry about a thing, anything at all. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, making all of your requests made known to God. And then as a result of that, he says, he promised the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. When we pray, bring in our supplications to the Lord with thanksgiving, God promises peace. 
that surpasses all understanding. This is the kind of peace that no one may comprehend. A peace that doesn't make any sense in the midst of chaos and confusion. But God promised to sustain us and not allow us to be overcome or shaken or fall when we cast our burdens onto him because he promised that he will sustain us. And when he sustains us, he also provides us with peace. In verse 30 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, you don't need to go there. It says that Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. We're not talking about just any peace. We're talking about the peace that only God can provide. A peace that can sustain us. A peace that can hold us together. A peace that will give us hope. And he says that this peace will guard our hearts and our minds from fear, from worry, and from doubt. Or even becoming overwhelmed and consumed by fear. God told, uh, told the king of Judah to not be afraid, not to worry about anything because God was going to fight their battles for them. God was going to take care of the problem. God took responsibility and to take away their fears and their worries and, uh, and promising to take care of them and peace came. And Isaiah 26, go there in verse 3 and I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified Version. I read this to you last Sunday, but I mean last Wednesday, but tonight I want to read it to you from the Amplified he says, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace. It's not a one-time peace, it's a continuous, constant peace. Whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. Let me close with this illustration. Years ago, during the pioneer days of aviation, this pilot was making a flight around the world. And he had already been gone about some two hours from the, last, from the place that he had just taken off from. And uh, as he was flying in the air, he heard a noise in the plane. And he recognized the noise as a gnawing of a rat. He recognized and he realized that when the plane was on the ground, some rat must have gotten in and got inside the plane. Now this rat is gnawing on something. And of course, he was thinking that for all he knew, this rat could be gnawing on something that was very vital, some, some, uh, some cable or some, some control. This became a serious issue. And so he started to become worried and anxious about it. And quite frankly, he didn't know what to do. At that point, at that moment, he was two hours from the last landing field that he had just come from. And he's over two, more, two, more than two hours away from the next landing field. So he began to think, what do I do? This could be serious. Then he realized that the rat was a rodent. And it was not made to be in high elevation. It was not used to being in, 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 uh, in such high altitude. The rat was made to be on the ground and under the ground. So what he decided to do was to cause the plane to go up at the higher altitude. He started climbing 1,000 feet, then another 1,000 feet, and another 1,000 feet, until he finally reached 20,000 feet in the air. And the, the gnawing stopped. The rat was dead. So more than two hours later, the pilot safely landed on the next landing field. 
and he found a dead rat. Now, you're probably wondering, what does rat have to do with anything? Well, I'm going to tell you. See, worry is like a rat that is in your heart and in your mind. And if left alone, it will gnaw at you until it destroys your peace. Until it, it, it steals away all of your joy. And until it drains all of your energy and your faith and your joy and your power. But the rodent of worry, listen to this, the rodent of worry cannot live in the secret place of the Most High. It cannot breathe in an atmosphere that is steeped with prayer, that is filled with praise and thanksgiving, or that is influenced by the Word of God. Worry dies when we ascend to the Lord through prayer, through supplication, through praise and thanksgiving. So let me ask you this. What is bothering you tonight? What has been robbing you of your joy? Is there one particular thing that Satan has been gnawing at you? Causing you great distress. Causing you great uh, uh, anxiety and worry. Causing you to be fearful. What are you worried about? I read to you earlier that the Lord Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, far above every, every authority, every power, every principalities, and every fear and worry. And Jesus, as we speak, is interceding for you right now. He understands every emotion. He understands every frustration. He understands every temptation that we face in life. So, why not make a decision to cast and turn over all of your fears to Him? Tonight, why not make that decision? Why carry that burden when God wants to take responsibility for it? Why allow it to gnaw at you, robbing you of your joy and, and, and your peace? When God is there saying, just give it to me. I'll take care of it. Go to him in prayer and with supplication, with thanksgiving in your heart. And begin living in the valley of blessings. If you want to make this choice tonight, those of you who are watching by live stream, those of you here, if you're carrying the burden of fear and worry, if you're being filled with anxieties because of whatever situation you might be going through, whatever struggles that you might be in, whatever dark place you might find yourself in, I want you tonight to cast it before the Lord. Every burden, give it to Him tonight. And if you're serious and if you want to do this, I want you to join me with this prayer. And I want you to say this. So right now, I want everyone, all eyes closed, no one looking around. Those of you who are, are watching by live stream, I want you to join me. If you really mean this and you want to make this decision tonight to leave this, whatever it is that you're dealing with, and leave it here tonight before the Lord, I want you to say this prayer. Say, Lord, I confess that I've allowed worry, fear, and anxieties to disrupt my life. I have lost my peace and I've lost my joy because of it. Today, I am making the decision 
to turn over all these destructive thoughts over to you. I no longer want to live this way anymore. I know this is in your plan for my life. So by faith, I cast all of my worries on you tonight. And I release them into your hands. Lord, I ask you to take them right now. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I mentioned to you earlier, temptations will come. You might feel good and you might feel at peace right now. Having released all the weight of your cares and your worries to the Lord. But the moment you walk out of here, the devil's already waiting to bring temptations to you. It's like the parable of the sower when Jesus said that the sower sowing the seed is the word of God. And the first seed that he sowed was by the wayside. And he began to explain that that seed was when someone received the word in their hearts and Satan came and snatched it quickly from our hearts. The, the word that was sown into our hearts. That's what the devil will do. Try to snatch away what you've received tonight and snatch away the decision that you made. And maybe he won't tempt you tonight. Maybe he'll tempt you tomorrow. But know this temptation will come. But tonight, I want you, you've not only made a decision, but I need you to stick with that decision and trust God. Obey his instructions and let him take care of your obstructions. Will you do that for me? Amen. Well, before we release you, let me just ask this question.